Radio Mano Papachango. stories of traveling have really inspired me to be stood here right now in Gatwick airport other times I've been here were to go on holiday with friends to get pissed up some fancy hotel with some giant ass pools lots of slides the same fucking bullshit you get all around the world so this time I'm on my own doing something different I'm flying to Lima then to Iquitos then going into the rainforest to be drinking ayahuasca on a 12-day retreat. So, so much gratitude for you, Chris, for all the sick and all the poo-poo I'm about to get out of me. Uh, I love your podcast, and Hare Krishna! Hello, all you powerful, tangential people. My name is Fritz. I'm currently on the job, working for the Forest Service, in the beautiful Chugach National Forest here in Alaska. Uh, I love the podcast and I love the shame exorcisms. Hey Chris, this is Lindsay, a wayward American living in the Netherlands, but recording this from a rainy hotel room in Helsinki. Uh, I'm just taking a break from transcribing an episode for your upcoming ebook, and I wanted to share some wisdom that someone else had shared with me recently. So to those of you listening, as it had a major impact on me, and I thought that maybe it could help someone else too. I had met a lovely lady at a beautiful festival in Germany the other weekend, she runs women's circles, and I'd never heard of a women's circle before, but it's a place where people can feel free to speak without judgment. And I had asked her what the most common revelation was, and she said, it all comes down to one thing. People need to follow their hearts. And it moved me to tears because I felt that somehow I'd found my tribe and I wasn't alone on this path. And I think that today society puts so much pressure on you to conform, but we're not all made the same and it hurts so many people along the way. Some so much they probably even go to their grave never understanding what true happiness is. So to everyone out there, I hope this inspires some to take a step back, breathe, and break free, just be yourself. Thanks a lot. Uh, you people are so beautiful. I just want to hug y'all. You're wonderful. Thank you for those sound clips. Uh, this is a, an episode with um, Theo Vaughn, famous comedian, becoming more famous by the minute. Uh, I think it was Joe Rogan who said, if you could buy stock in a person, he'd be buying stock in Theo Vaughn. I agree. Uh, I'd leverage it. I'd, I'd like sell my house and buy Theo Vaughn stock. Uh, he's a great guy, as you're going to hear. This is the second time I've hung out with him. I was on his podcast a while back. You can look in his archives and, and find that. Uh, his podcast is called This Past Weekend. Uh, he's 
just a cool guy. And he's one of these people who's like, you know, they're, they're comedians who are studied. And, you know, if you met him at a party or something, you'd probably say, oh, the guy's a comedian. You know, like Jerry Seinfeld. I don't think Jerry Seinfeld would be particularly hilarious to hang out with. Uh, but then there are other comedians where it's just like, there's just something about them that's funny. It just like everything they say is like the way they say things. It's not, it's not just what they say. It's the way they say it. And it's not like a studied delivery necessarily. It's not a character that they're playing. It's just like, fuck this. There's just something that's funny. It's like some people are born with a, you know, perfect pitch and other people are born with an innate sense of rhythm. That's really acute or you know they're physical athletes natural athletes or whatever some people are just born like they're just fucking funny theo's one of those guys i think brian callen's another guy every time you should follow them on instagram brian callen puts up these little videos occasionally it's just like dude that dude is, he just cracks me up no matter what he's saying um you know as opposed to joe joe's really funny he's you know very he's a very funny mind but just hanging out talking with joe you're not necessarily laughing all the time it's it's a different kind of comedy anyway uh i love this guy theo i'm not gonna talk a lot in the intro because i want to get this up and out today thursday we recorded it yesterday wednesday in his uh studio and um, I'm sitting on like all these podcasts that I recorded in um, Colorado and Cassie and I were cruising around and but I'm back in L.A. and just a lot of stuff. A lot of people are coming by and I'm, I'm sort of like they're coming in faster than they're going out. And um, every once in a while I run into this issue and I, I feel bad because, you know, like I want to let throw this one out while it's fresh. But that means, you know, some of the ones from Colorado are, are, you know, just stagnating a little bit. Uh, I've got one from Mr. Money Mustache that's coming out soon. He's a very popular uh, financial blogger. I think that'll probably be the next episode I throw up. Um, throw up, not vomit, but throw up onto the web. Upload, throw upload. Um yeah, so he's fantastic, very interesting guy, very much about like how to arrange your finances so you can retire at 30 or 35. I don't think it's going to work for me, uh, but it might work for some of you, like that guy in the Chugash Mountains or the dude on his way to Peru to shit himself into wisdom um, or Lindsay. Thank you for working on that chapter, Lindsay. We've got two ebooks coming soon, uh, one on sexuality and one on drugs and consciousness. Um, I'm just gonna, I've, I've got a couple listeners, um, Aaron and Miguel are working on those sort of coordinating. And then some of you are doing the transcriptions and the editing. Um, and we're just going to release those so that if you want to, you know, go back and look at a conversation or just look up, uh, you know, what people have said about certain issues on the podcast, you can read it on your phone or on a Kindle or whatever, whatever you have, um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna be churning out some of those. It's pretty cool. I like I like to, you know, figure out ways to um, sort of give give something back to the audience and uh, to involve the audience in ongoing projects. Uh, of course, when I say the audience, I mean you, you listener, dear listener. Uh, okay, what else do I need to tell you about? Well, if you if I should remind you, of course, that there's already a book out called Tangentially Reading 
which you can order from your local Amazon affiliate if you're in the United States of America, land of the free, home of the brave. Uh, you can order it from my mom at the uh, at our website where you order t-shirts and all that other good shit. Uh, she's got the full color version that she'll ship out to you. Elsewhere in the world, better to go through Amazon and let them deal with the postage, which is uh, prohibitive. Uh, what else can I tell you? Upcoming episodes. I mentioned Mr. Money Mustache. I believe he's coming up. I just recorded one with Bruce Perry. Really interesting guy. Um, British royal marine kind of military hero uh survivalist who had a tv show on the bbc for a few years called tribe where he lived with um like seriously remote uh people like the the um in borneo the the banan the the pitaha that i've spoken about in the upper amazon um and he really lived with them, ate what they ate, did what they did. It was a fantastic show. I was a huge fan. Anyway, he's got a movie out, um, Tawai, it's called, and he's uh, promoting it, moving through the United States. He'll he'll probably be back in the UK by the time you hear this, but um, it's a very interesting film. I think it's probably streaming, so uh, of course I'll talk about that in a in some depth when I uh, get to that episode. All right. One other thing I wanted to mention before we get into this episode is I got a, an email from Matt Cooper who um, has set up a discord server for the podcast. Uh, this is one of those things I vaguely know it is. I think it's like a chat room kind of situation, but if you know what discord is and you are inter interested in that, uh, he says we've got a hundred and some people there and there's some really interesting conversations going on. So you can find that at discord.me forward slash tangentially speaking. So I hope you'll check that out. Uh, also, there's a Reddit uh, group. You can just go on Reddit and search tangentially speaking. There are several thousand people um, in there. So there's uh, lots of places to talk to other people uh, about the podcast. I drop in on both those places. I haven't dropped in on the Discord thing for a while, but I check the Reddit thing every few days and uh, answer questions and try to clarify things. And uh, it's a great place to talk, not just about the podcast, but about issues that come up in the podcast. So people want more information or trying to remember the episode where so-and-so said something, uh, it's a good place to, to get some feedback from folks. If you hear uh, hissing and sizzling and grinding in the background, that's the great Kyle Tierman making dinner. Uh, he's um, a loud motherfucker, even when he's not talking. Hi, everybody! <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and he's not making beet tacos for once. God damn. Every time he comes, my shit turns purple. It's, it's a weird reaction. We got smoked salmon tonight, everybody! Smoked salmon coming up. Yeah, we got a new smoker. We're smoking. All right, say hello to the great Theo Vaughn. Check him out. You know where he is. He's Theo Vaughn and Instagram and Twitter and wherever the fuck you can find Theo Vaughn's out there in the world. He's on tour. He's, you know, check him out. He's very, very good at what he does, and he's a, he's a goddamn sweetheart. I hope he can handle fame better than most people do. I suspect he will. All right, nice talking to you, and I will catch you next time.
And I'm back. This is one of those embarrassing things where you say goodbye to everyone at the party and then find out that your car is blocked. And so you're still there 10 minutes later, even though you've said goodbye to everybody and it's awkward and weird. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm back because I forgot to tell you about the music that's coming up, which is a song uh, from a a podcast listener. Uh, Tennessee Bum is what he calls himself. His real name is Jacob. And the song is called Hot Air Balloons. It's, It's a beautiful tune. Uh, hot air balloons, mountains in June, wet in your eyes, flora for food, river for drink, life is my guide, simple for sure, ocean and shore, feet on the ground, flavor and feel, connected and real. Check out the, the lyrics, they're beautiful. Uh, so this is called Hot Air Balloons, it's by Tennessee Bum, and he told me that he's got a band camp page, right, it's Tennessee Bum dot bandcamp.com now i'm really leaving the party hope you enjoy it i will catch you next time yo uh i heard you're on your way back here i was calling to check on you see what's up please give me a call when you turn your phone back on
The first uh, couple of minutes of this podcast, the audio is a little weird, so I edited it out, and I'm just going to cut right in from where the audio uh, got a lot better, uh, so you won't be bothered by that. We're talking about Theo's trip to China. It was interesting, man. It was fascinating, and they didn't seem to like kind of lull in their problems as much as, like I started thinking, like maybe it's like a delicacy, our mental health issues. It's like a, something that we get because we we're almost out of stuff to do or we're, we're not like moving forward as a group that much. So it's like, we're mm. stuck in our own thoughts. I dude, don't know. Dude, you're profound. I mean, you remind me of two things. First of all, the incidence of uh, depression is very low in countries where people are struggling to survive. Really? Yeah. And among hunter gatherers, it's practically zero as far as I know, any clinical depression. Wow. In addition to like diabetes and heart disease, I mean, hunter-gatherers are really healthy physically as well as mentally and psychologically. But the other thing you remind me of talking about like dealing with China and like people being uh, a collective more than individuals, a psychologist at Stanford wrote this really interesting paper about how rice-based cultures are much more collective than um, cultures that rely on other foods like wheat or, you know, like uh, in the West, because to grow rice, you have to have like this massive coordination. Everybody has to participate mm. in the um, planting and the harvesting mm. because it's massive and it happens really quickly. So it can't just be a few people farming and everybody else chilling out. Oh, wow. Like the whole culture has to come together and cooperate or it doesn't work. Wow. So it's interesting, you do have these Asian cultures then that are, you know, maybe that's her hypothesis, is it comes from centuries of growing rice. Wow. That everybody's like, okay, you know. We got to survive, we need to do this now. All or nothing, you know, everybody or nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think in small, like, yeah, it's funny. I think in smaller areas, I would feel that kind of thing more like where there was some like group like stuff, like in towns and stuff, I, I think sometimes. Or maybe just in the past, growing up, like I would feel like, yeah, we were more of like a group, like our town, you know? Yeah. And then you get into a big city and it's just kind of like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. You yeah. know? Uh, but it was awesome, man. It was... You were there for what, 10 days or something? Yeah, I was there for, yeah, about eight days. I went there and did comedy and people came out and it was fun. So it was all expats that are coming out or Chinese who speak English? There were some Chinese. I thought there were some Chinese ladies just looking for a husband. Like, I thought the front two rows every show was just ladies that didn't speak any English. Just like, you know, kind of not pick me, you know, like I deserve to be choosing anybody, but like... You're on stage, dude. (laughs) There is that. (laughs) I mean, there is that. (laughs) I mean, a couple of the stages were pretty much... One stage was just like 200 Chinese people just hold me up with their hands. So it was just like... But yeah, you talk about teamwork. You're like crowd surfing (laughs) No. But it was... uh, Not even stand-up. You're like (laughs) on your back doing comedy. (laughs) Like, man, the stage is soft and there's a heartbeat over here. A thousand Um, fingers massage. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, I thought it was probably 30% Chinese people. It was a lot of like English teachers over there. Right. And, um, yeah, what did I think? I felt like I had to be, I felt like I was just enthralled with everything that was going on. Like my eye, it was just like, oh, this is great. Like even just riding on the trains and they had, there was no waste of space. Like even as you were leaving out of the, probably for like, uh, 
maybe a hundred miles. There was no waste of space. Like if there were two buildings in a, in a downtown area in between them, there were two rows of corn, like, but you wouldn't see it unless oh, like you were up right. on a train track or something right. where you could look down, but you were like, holy shit, there's like, there's like 18 square feet of land there, but somebody's, yeah. you know, put in a man-made lake, the you know? Asbestos corn. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. It's a little crunchy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to eat that. Yeah, so what about it the food? It makes your neck warm, but the, uh, but the corn is good. Did you eat weird shit? Like, I mean, Chinese are famous for the weird food. I've, China's one country I've never been to and never really wanted to go to. Really? Yeah, I traveled in Asia a lot. Uh, I've been probably... 10 times to Asia, but never to China. It was always just like, I went to Nepal mm -hmm. and I was considering oh, wow. going to Tibet, but the Chinese were just fucking everything up there. Chinese culture doesn't attract me. It seems like vulgar and aggressive and yeah, um, the food sucks as far as I can tell. Yeah, it seems scary. They had people eating. I mean, it was, it, the food was scary to me. I didn't eat a lot of uh, Chinese food. Yeah. I got kind of scared. You know what's funny? Hearing you say that, like, yeah, like Nepal, like those types, of, like Tibet, like that makes me think of like, yeah, walking into like another universe, you know, like with, uh, like with even some spirit in it and stuff like that. Yeah, I was, I wasn't really excited about going to Shanghai. Yeah, you know, the lady and I went, and, um, and I just, she was excited because she hadn't really traveled much, and right. I was like. Yeah, I don't know. It's Shanghai doesn't seem like the kind of place you go for a week and it's going to be... It's like the future, but if the future sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never been there. I'm talking no, no. totally out of my ass. No, you're here. talking like you mean you've never been in the future. <laughs> or, yeah. or the future, yeah. No, what if you had been in the future, but you hadn't been in China? <laughs> uh, this is a guy who's been in the future, but also hasn't Sorry, been I, try, I like to travel. I've certainly um, been to the past. Yeah. I can tell you all about that. No, but like when I first time I went to Vancouver, I thought this is the future if the future's cool. Ah, uh, wow! Like it's clean, right. it's it's like spaced out. You've been to Vancouver, yeah, yeah. It's multicultural, a lot of green space. You know, like fucking whales coming into town <laughs> yeah. and beautiful mountains and you know bald eagles and it's like <laughs> wow, they worked it out. Yeah, we made it. Yeah. Yeah, but then I think of China, and it's like you can't see your hand in front of you because of the pollution. It's it's like Blade Runner or something. You know what? It, it yeah, it seems like Blade Runner, but without a lot of the like, like a lot of not game planning. I don't know, man. It was baffling. Yeah, it was baffling a lot of times. Like I being on the trains, they would build all of these like homes and buildings, but they wouldn't put any windows in them. I guess part of the custom there is they just build the frame. Oh. And then whenever a business or a, a real estate developer moves in, then they put everything else in it. So you would see, I mean, tens of thousands of these, they look deserted. So it looks just like a gray building you'd see in like a, you know, a, a forgotten town or city in, in, in America where all the windows are out. And mm. so that's what it looks like. But you're like, is it, but it looks kind of new a little. Right. And then I found out, yeah, they put nothing and they literally put the walls up. Right. So a lot of places they thought about developing, and there's all these literally ghost cities will drive by and you're like, it's just 70 buildings, no windows, no people. And you're like, what is that? Yeah, that's a bad investment. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bad investment. <laughs> Somebody made a bad and decision. And you would see people eating like bird arms. They had like a bagged bird arm. You could get a little bag of bird arm at the... um. 
First of all, they got birds with arms. That's a problem. <laughs> okay, yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> They're flightless, I think. Whatever a bird's arm is called. <laughs> a wing, I think, is a the wing. word you're yeah, looking no. for. Yeah. Well, yeah, they had a wing or a talon. That's what I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. bird foot. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is an arm. My wife eats chicken feet. Does she really? She, yeah, she was born and raised in Mozambique. Oh, wow. And she's like, you people throw away chicken feet? Are you crazy? Shrimp heads. Oh, yeah. Lobster Ooh. head. It's Ooh. great going out to dinner with her because, like, I get the good parts. <laughs> and she's, like, happy with the rest. <laughs> it's a oh, perfect damn. woman. Perfect. Dude, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, like, I, even growing in Louisiana, I don't, I can't even, I've never seen anybody eat one of the heads or eat, uh, eat a chicken feet. Well, it's like chicken necks, yeah. right? It's like soul food, right? It's like, oh, white yeah, yeah. people get that. We, we got this. and Yeah, there's. I think there's a lot of food crossover between like Vietnamese and black culture and stuff like that. I'm not saying your wife is Vietnamese, but like, was, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of food crossover. I think these people- You better not be calling my wife Vietnamese, man. I don't know if I am or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. You met her. You, nobody, no, she's a beautiful lady. You don't know what she is. She's not really black. She's actually Indian. Is she? But she was raised in Africa. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that's, that's where she looks Japanese is, Africa? to people like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mozambique's in Southern Africa. I wonder what I would have guessed. I would have. I was probably going to guess like a Central America, yeah. maybe Ecuador, Peruvian yeah. or something. A lot of people think she's Brazilian. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that sort of like exotic brown, but don't know where from yeah must be brazil <laughs> <laughs> if you're not sure guess brazil and nobody's ever insulted if you guess they're brazilian right you know what i mean it's oh, like nobody's true. gonna be like hey fuck you i'm not brazilian yeah. you know like, like you, oh you think i can dance yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. play soccer <laughs> and music like there's a lot of good shit cook? about being brazilian right brazil's kind of yeah i guess it's an exciting place but it was yeah watching people eat stuff like that even on the trains and like the smell of a lot of the food and stuff like yeah. that to me was you know to my you know senses was unattractive um i noticed a lot of the uh chinese people seem very curious like my my, my girlfriend had blonde hair and so um they would you would kind of catch them looking but very but they didn't want me to see they didn't they wouldn't make a scene to like their friends, like, hey, look, but the, you could you could catch them like very curious. Mm. And the kids were very curious. I didn't see, I probably saw 10 white people mm. the whole time that I was there. Mm. I saw one black person the whole time that I was there. And um, I mean, there was, it was all China, it was all Asian people. Yeah. I was shocked. I was, I thought there'd be tons of, uh, of you know, of at least white tourists, Europeans, you know? Mm, nothing it blew my mind i was wow. like what this is so but there was tons of tourists there was tons of people in the city there was tons of like families walking around they had the kids the little chinese daughters they had them all dressed up like princesses for some reason right so it would be crazy every little girl you would see was in like a like a complete princess regalia almost it was regalia, regalia. that's a simon <laughs> rex term right there <laughs> what's the other one uh there's regalia and uh, <laughs> yeah, shit, I forget the other one. I'll think of it in a minute. Um, but so, it was great, though. Thanks for asking, man. It was great. Yeah. It was you, have you traveled a lot internationally? Yeah, I've been to, I've been to some, some decent amount of places. So if you had to live outside the U.S., where would you want to live? I'd probably, I think, want to live in South Africa, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right next to Mozambique. Is it? Yeah. 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 You've been to Kruger Park? Um. In South Africa? Savo or Ambaselli. I've been to one of the parks. Oh, uh... Kruger Park. Is it near Johannesburg? Well, kind of. It's north north of Johannesburg. It's 
Kruger Park's the like the main, the most amazing game park in wow. South Africa. I was there for, I think it was two days. Driving, you drive around by yourself. You no drive way. Your, yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, you know, there are lots of signs saying "Do not get out of the car, <laughs> dumbass." <laughs> and it's not like Yellowstone, where like maybe a buffalo will run you over. Right, there are like lions everywhere and wow. leopards and giraffes and elephants. Like they're just all over the place. It's amazing. It's um, really cool. Next time you should definitely check that out. It's yeah, I hadn't I haven't been there. I've been uh yeah, I haven't been to Kruger Park. I went to a, on a safari, but it wasn't to Kruger Park. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's something about Af- there's something about a- Africa, I guess. And at least South Africa seems like a little bit more safer and manageable. Yeah. Um although still, I mean, there's the crime rates are really high in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Like everybody's got razor ri- wire around their house and shit. It's pretty intense. Yeah, we we met a we met a guy at a hotel and I actually ended up making love to his girlfriend on the side, and I still feel kind of bad about that. But Oh, um, I think I heard you talk about that. Was that the one you like publicly apologized for? No, that was a different guy. <laughs> oh, Forgot damn. about this deal. That was another one. Damn. Sorry, brother. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to pull you into another one. Nah, man. So you, okay. that's something you and I have in common. We've, really? we've had sex with other people's wives. <laughs> wow. You know, dude, with some regularity. Damn. But normally... Uh, <laughs> with some regularity. <laughs> dude, you know what's crazy is when I was young, I, I used to tell myself, man, I would never <laughs> engage with somebody else's wife. Yeah. You know? And I, 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 this one, I don't know if that's... When you say a, young, you mean like 12. <laughs> By 14, you were like, fuck that. By 14, I'm, I have a stack of wedding rings next to my bed. Exactly. Next right. to my twin bed. <laughs> I'm going to melt them down. Probably in like high school or something. Like, I don't know. Do you ever make like those deals or you have in your... When I was younger, I think I would do it more. Make all these like stern, like unbreakable deals with myself, you know, mm, that, resolutions. Yeah. Resolutions. Yeah. And for me, they were always kind of, there was never really any, but they didn't backlog themselves. Like they didn't really grip into me. So I almost forgot them almost immediately, but I would make them devoutly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I would be devout in my resolutions. Right. And I did you like tell everyone to make it more stick more like the guy who quits smoking and tells everyone. <laughs> oh, that's and, the worst. That's <laughs> the worst. Yeah. And then two <laughs> days later smoking. he's huffing yeah. in the bathroom. Yeah. That's yeah. how I've always had some troubles with that kind of stuff. Just like trying to make rules for myself and live up to them, but really have no history of, of being able to do that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I had a rule when I was in high school that I wouldn't get involved with anyone younger than my sister, who was four years younger than me. Mm-hmm. But by the time I was 24, that was like, come on now, the math doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to drop that one. You're like, I got, yeah, we need, <laughs> what's the inflation rate on this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that margin's getting pretty small. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think about that kind of stuff. I think about if I like what age would be a good wife to have, you know, like a good partner. Um, they say what's the the rule of thumb is like the man should divide his age in half and then add ten. Oh really? Yeah. So I'm 56, so that would be what 28, 38 would be the ideal. Now, I don't know why. Like that's because men are immature or something. And yeah. So. I'm not sure where that comes from. Yeah, I guess if the man dies, maybe the man will. <laughs> You know, is already in and make it more like earning years at that point on average. Mm. So he might be able to, the woman might be healthier to create kids maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that kind of stuff I think about. Like uh, sometimes my head makes all these like, okay, your wife maybe should be around this age. And then, but it's like my head's doing it without even my wanting to do it. And then I'm almost 
stuck just living in this little video game that my head has put these walls around, yeah. you know, or something. Weird rules. <clears throat> yeah, just weird rules. Yeah, I, I did some of that, but I think I stopped taking myself seriously pretty pretty early on, you know? Like, I would make a... I don't know. I, I know what you mean about these, like, grand decisions, you know, like... Although some of mine were under the influence of psychedelics. Oh, yeah? I remember I was tripping one night, and I decided, like, I was listening to some uh, Chopin piano music. Damn. And I And I was, like, I was probably 19 or 20. I was in college. And I, I called my best friend up, who's a musician, mm-hmm. and I was like, Mike, I got to tell you, I've made, a, I've made a really big decision. He said, what's that? He said, I'm going to be a concert pianist. <laughs> and he's like... Dude, you don't play piano. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to learn. Yeah. And I'm going to be so good. And he's like, can I go back to bed now? <laughs> Why the fuck are you waking me up? I could see that, though. I could almost see you being a concert. Oh, no, I could yeah. see you being the... Um, conductor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think those conductors are full of shit. I think they're not doing anything. I could see that. You know what I mean? I think it's one yeah, of those jobs. Well, you would, you, I think you <laughs> that's would why I'd be good well. at it. You would sell it well. People like, oh, he's good. Grow my hair real long. Yes. Get dramatic. Yeah. Oh, and you have yeah. to put on like 40, like you have oh, I could to, do that. You got a rotund up. Yeah. <laughs> rotund up. Halfway there, man. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing, uh, the other impression I got last time I saw you, which is what, like two months ago? Something like that? Yeah. It I wasn't that long Chris ago. Chris was like one of almost our first guest that was on our podcast. So the, one of the three or four. Well, yeah, I, fourth I, or fifth or something. Really? Mm-hmm. Was it that early um, we haven't been having guests that long though, so it was only like three months. Ago, oh, so. okay, right, yeah. right. So my impression is like your your uh, you know fame trajectory is vertical. Are you like feeling that? Are you feeling like shit's happening? Because like after, I mean, honestly, to be to be clear, this is like totally possible that I'm full of shit. Yeah, because no, I didn't really know your work very much, right. and then obviously I've been paying attention since then. But I saw you with you've been hanging with Rogan a lot, doing a lot of sets at the comedy store. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I went back. You already had a Netflix special or. Yeah, I had a Netflix special. Yeah. um, But yeah, the Netflix special didn't really do anything to like help my career that much, Hmm. which was interesting. Uh, Was that the one where you were talking about? I, or maybe I saw you do stand up, but you you did this really funny thing about getting beat up by black guys at night. Oh yeah, fighting black dudes at night, and then like yeah, I thought that was really good because you you like went so close to the line, you yeah. just went right up to the edge there, and then you're like, hey, that's not racist. Like, imagine fighting white dudes in a cloud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Well, I got jumped by a bunch of black guys when I was growing up twice. And man, it fucking hurts. I don't know if you've ever been through it, but it's not fun. I mean, I I could like, if it were black guys in Seattle, I could handle it. But these were Louisiana (laughs) black guys. You know what I'm saying? Black guys in Seattle? These are black guys who had generations of anger in their arms, you know? Yeah. So it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get hit with, I mean, the toughest black guy in Seattle, what, maybe he plays the drums. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just a different element. Yeah, it's a different. It's a, yeah, it's a different type of person, but. Uh, have I felt, you know what I have, um, <clears throat> what have I started to feel? Yeah, this is interesting, man, because uh, I guess a lot of this, like, yeah, Rogan definitely helped a lot, you know, by being supportive. Um, you know, the fighter and the kid helped a lot. Dude, the thing that helped the most was Simon, really. I feel like to get me really? started. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I know, like, I've been doing my work for a long time, but as far as, like, some local circles of... 
you should check this guy out, right? Right. Like I think a lot of people trust Simon's instincts or his, not yeah. his instincts, but his, his they taste. trust him. He has yes. good taste. He has good taste. And he's not a bullshitter. Right. Are we going to do another fucking How Great Is Simon <laughs> no, podcast? No, <laughs> no, but that's, anyway, sorry, that's true. Simon Rex, by the way, is who we're talking yeah. about. We're talking about Simon Rex. But I think he started kind of, they say like, who put you on? Like, I think he started putting me on to people. You like, put me, he put you on, put me on to yeah, you or same, put you on to me? I'm not sure what, how that works. Yeah, I mean, I knew, uh, you know, through Rogan, for, through hearing you on Rogan, but also, yes, when I, when Simon said that you guys were buddies, you know, right. and then he helped us get you as a guest one time right. on uh, on our podcast yeah yeah um but yeah it has been it's been quicker like i was just in nashville and you know by the way you don't need simon's help you just call me i'll be here i got nothing to do (laughs) (laughs) my my fame trajectory isn't vertical (laughs) it's horizontal pretty much but it's funny i thought about you a lot because i thought like i started to go into like uh you know, I started realizing that a lot of my, but here to answer one question, yes, things have been busier. Right. And so now I'm trying to figure out like, what is, you know, is there anything that I need to do? I started feeling like this weird pressure. Yeah. Um, and then the good thing about it, like you start thinking, oh, like television or movies and like, you know, I got an offer from a network for a development deal and, and all of it sounds really neat and fun, but then also you're like, but I really kind of love the world that I have right now. Right. And it's like fun to be able to sit and, you know, get to be on your podcast today on, you know, on a weekday and chat. Right. And, um, you know, it's fun to be able to go do things. And with podcasts, you can, you're still making money where you can survive, like you're getting by. So it's, you know, it's nice to have some control over your life. Whereas you right. lock into a network yeah. and it can, it can be, it, could be not good, you know? So well, you're navigating working for that. someone else, right? you know? And that's a big difference. You're on their schedule. You're on their dime. You're taking their notes. Yeah. That's real different from doing a podcast and stand-up where yeah. you're the boss. You're you're running the show. Yeah, so that's been interesting starting to figure out, you know, what is that like? And then some of the feeling, like a lot of, like I get some pressure, um, like worrying if I'll still be able, like if people are coming out to actually see me then we'll, uh, like, I've always felt like the underdog a little bit. Right. You know, I think even like in, you know, I think it even powered like a lot of my life or like a, and if I am not the underdog, you know, if people know to come see me now, then is it like, who am I then? Right. You know? Right. You got to reframe it somehow. Yeah. And is there, and to me, is there even any value in being anybody other than the underdog? Right. You know, like if I feel like somebody doesn't have that underdog in them somewhere, then I, a lot of times as growing up anyway, it was hard for me to even respect them. I felt like, mm. and not that they didn't deserve respect. It was my own, whatever I was putting on that was my own th- spin, but it was like, oh, this dude doesn't know what it's like to, you know, n- not to be an underdog or to feel like I, or I felt, yeah. you yeah. know, and a lot of that could be, you know, I, I don't know what's ego. I don't know what's right. uncertainty. Uh, well, you know, the reason I'm asking you about that is, you know, like being in L.A. and in the world that I'm in and you're in, like we see a lot of people sort of going up and down and, you know, sort of moving around in this whole fame thing. And and uh, and like you're one of the people I think about, like you seem, not that I know you really well, but from you know, hanging out with you a little bit and what Simon's told me and also what I've seen, like even in your stand-up routine and stuff like that, you seem really kind of vulnerable. You, you're you like a real dude. You, you haven't worked out uh, 
like a persona that you hide behind. Right. You know, like a lot of actors and comics and public people, you can see like, there's a real person there, but that's not who we're seeing. Right. You know, whereas with you, it seemed like you, you get personal. You talk about your parents and your, you know, I yeah. mean, all comics, I guess, talk about their families and stuff, but it feels to me more like you're there's, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like you're more authentic. I yeah. feel like, which makes you vulnerable. And right. so it's like, and then when I see you taken off, I kind of worry, like, how are you going to handle that? You know, what, oh, wow. who are you going to become or how are you going to defend yourself or, you know, what's going to get through? Cause I, I feel like you don't have a lot of filters set up. Right. Like, yeah. No, that's that interesting. You know I... what? I, I worry about some of that. Yeah. Like sometimes I worry about like, man, have I said stuff talking in conversations where I'm a regret it at some point, you know? Yeah. Um, well, we all do that. I, I mean, more like the filters filtering what's coming in. Like oh, not what's going out, like what's coming at you. Right. You know, like I even feel like I said to you in one of the emails, like I feel, I felt kind of bad, like trying to set up this podcast. Cause like the dude's busy and I don't want to be like taking advantage of the fact that you're a good guy and you're like, yeah, I said, I do it. Shit. I got to do it. And, right. But I got all this other stuff going on and yeah, but I told him I do it. Like, I feel like you're still that guy who's right. like, yeah, I said I'd do it. I really want to do it. Whereas at some point you're going to have to be the guy who's like, yeah, I said I'd do it. But dude, life's different now. Right. You know? You know what's funny? I think on some business fronts, I do feel like like if I, you know, like I had a, I was going to this Just for Laughs festival tonight, right? Or the next few days in Toronto. And so, you know, we had a deal where it was like a certain deal. But then looking back, like, you know, I was like, oh, that deal's not, that's not a really a good deal for, you know, tickets we could sell now and stuff like that. Right. So on business front, like I'd be like, yeah, they have to renegotiate because yeah. I've gone to their thing before where, you know, I don't know, it just was an unfair deal. I would just want that deal to be more fair. It was so lopsided right. that I was like, we got to get something back to the middle. Um, but that's like a business thing. So on that side of stuff, like, you know, I think I, for a long time, I felt like, not taking advantage of, but people take advantage of you in this in this business. Sure. You know, it's a gross business a lot yeah. of times. You should do it for free just <laughs> yeah. for the exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think for some, you know, like I like, you know, I, I mean, I'm glad that you, you know, you, you know, you weren't. I thought it was nice. You said, I'm, I, I'm not going to bug you. You know, because but I do want to be able to. But if you want to do it, then I'd I'd like to do it. You know, that's my and, approach to women too. Yeah, <laughs> 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 married women. Yeah, but it was extremely like it was. You know what? Uh, you were extremely understanding. You know, yeah. And I thought that that was nice. And then also, no, I wanted to do it, and so I appreciated. Um, you know, you being patient, and I've just felt a lot of what I felt is just being overwhelmed. Yeah, and sometimes right. I don't know if the overwhelmingness is even real. Or if it's like this, like nervous energy that's like builds around my neck, and it's just like I don't know what to do sometimes. Um, you know, like uh, it's been exhausting sometimes. Like you know, we'll do meet and greets after the show, and sometimes it's like an hour, hour and a half. You're out there just meeting people, and you know, a lot of yeah. I think some of like talking about stuff on my podcast, I get a lot of young men that come out that are like struggling with similar stuff. You know, mm, yeah, and so you know, it makes me feel like, you know, I feel bad. Like, I don't feel bad, but I feel like, you know, I want to be able to, you know, let them know that somebody cares, you know? Because I feel like it's the same thing that I would want when I was a kid, you know, like, um, or just not when I was a kid, but just, I don't know, man. There's Did nothing have... worse than feeling alone, you know? And I yeah. and I feel, I think I, 
so anyway, some of it's been exhausting. Some of it's been cool. Um, I know that I have guys like Simon. I know they have other guys that I trust that I could talk to about certain things. You know, I want to make, if I do do television, I want to make a show that means something to me, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that reflects something realistic in my life. Um, and outside of that, I'm grateful enough to be able to have, you know, and I put in the work to have the stand up where I could just do that. Right. You know? Yeah. And maybe be okay. And, you know, one of my long term goals is I want to make some money and put put together like a um a center where people can go and get help, you know, like a place where you know, maybe have a wife or somebody or other people that can actually facilitate the help, you know, but to have like a real brick and mortar building one day. What kind of help? Um, just like I guess it could be, you know, twelve step. It could just be like a halfway house or mm. you know, or you know, a place where people can get started. Like addiction type stuff? Yeah, maybe addiction. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what that the future will look like 20 years from now with, you know, yeah. talking about kids. And I don't know how to do that stuff. Right. But I think with comedy, I could help uh, financially create it, you know, or right. facilitate it. Right. So that would be really cool, you know. Um, That's an interesting idea. And I don't, yeah, know if I, it could, I don't know if it could happen. You know, I mean, who knows? Well, it might be. You might get sued by the first guy who fucking comes out. Well, you can protect yourself that way. But, you know, it's it's also cool to think about like comedy is this industry and and comedians are intelligent, socially aware, uh, very unique kind of people. Like, but I, I think like to be a comedian, you have to be kind of fearless to be a good comedian. Right. Anyway, right. You have to be willing to risk yeah. humiliation getting up on, I have a buddy who's, um, he's a big wave surfer. He surfs like 50 foot, 60 foot waves. Jesus. Right. And he, I just got a text from him yesterday. He wants to do, Stand up just for an experience, not to be famous or anything, right? So he's been practicing and he texted me last night. He says he did an open mic in LA. Wow. He said he bombed so bad he almost puked on stage. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a guy who rides 60 foot waves. That's crazy. But standing in front of, you know, 30 people in an open mic yeah. has him puking, you know? It's like. But that's interesting to think about the different, cool. yeah, the different types of. Of nerves that could happen yeah, in you. Yeah. Like his must be much more of a physical, maybe nervous. And yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. I always feel like before I go on stage uh, to do presentations and stuff, I often need to take a shit. Right. Like a minute before, like, God, I got to take a dump. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a physiological thing. You know, it's oh, like yeah. your body, like you're going into a fight, like drop the excess <laughs> weight, you know? <laughs> Dude, it's so funny you say that. I was just, uh, I was just re um I was just reading the other day about why we why people say uh, I got so scared I shit myself. It yeah. was because back in the day they'd be so scared that they would actually excrete everything out of their body to be lighter to be more fit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like you're saying, you're like I want to be nimble. Yeah. And be <laughs> spider, yeah. spider. When I move that overhead projector, around, I want to fucking have my quickest mobility. Exactly. Remember those overhead projectors? Sure, man. <laughs> those were, those awesome. were great. <laughs> And I remember mimeograph, like the blue, you probably, you don't remember that. They'd like churn them out, churn out the papers and they had this weird smell. And you know, the, the rumor was that if you sniffed it, you'd get high. So we're all like, you know, sniffing our homework. (laughs) Nobody ever got high. (laughs) I thought when I was like seven years old, my friend and I used to go to this bar near where we lived and the dude, the bartender, we'd, we'd, we'd buy um, these bags of beer nuts. 
Do you know what beer nuts are? Do you have those in Louisiana? Yeah, is it real nuts? It just they're it peanuts. Looks- they're like peanuts with like a little sugar and. But we, so we buy these beer nuts and go and eat them in the woods and think that we got drunk from them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember oh that. Like, wow. hey, that guy will sell us beer nuts. Wow. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, Larry, Larry got so drunk this summer, he's fat. You know what I'm saying? He had so many beer nuts. Yeah. Exactly. That's crazy, yeah. bro. That's hilarious. Yeah. What a funny thing for a kid to think, too. And such an obvious thing, beer nuts. Beer nuts, yeah. yeah like, like they must yeah. get you, they fuck you up. <laughs> yeah, I had lots of weird ideas when I was little. I thought, I remember hanging out with these kids who were a couple years older than me. I must have been seven or eight, so they were 10 or 11. And somebody was talking about getting a rubber, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the good thing I have a rubber. I was like, yeah, you got to have a rubber. And they're like, you don't even know what a rubber is, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're eleven. Fuck those guys. Yeah. But I was like, I, I, yeah, I do. I know. Yeah. Okay. What's a rubber? And the thing is, I knew it stopped babies. Yeah. And I knew it was made out of rubber. Yeah. So I told them it was a piece of rubber that a woman put over her pussy, so when a baby was born, it would bounce back in. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I was like, I, I took the evidence I had and I worked with it. They had to have laughed. I, mean, I don't think they funny. did laugh, though. I think they might have thought I was true. I don't think they knew what fucking rubbers were either. We're all full of shit. Dude, that's such a like, uh, what's that Christmas movie, you know? It's such like that Christmas. It's like a moment moment from that when the big kids ask you something and you don't know the answer. Yeah. That happened with me. Like a dil- uh, I think it was like a clit or a dildo. And those are kind of tricky words, you know, and like... Um, oh yeah, I thought a dildo was uh, a set of big tits. I remember. <laughs> the guy's like, "You don't know what a dildo is." I was like, "Yeah, I do. It's a really big tits. Big tits. It's like all I knew so was like big tits. Two dildos, or, I don't know. or like a rack was a dildo." And they made fun yeah. of me for not knowing it. And then that day on the way home from school, yeah. on the school bus, I called our bus driver a fucking dildo. <laughs> and I got suspended from school for three days. But it was like out of anger. I just took it out of yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Miss Dot Wall, dude. Our bus driver named Dot Wall, D-O-T-W-A-L-L, bro. And she put lipstick literally on half of her fucking face. She looked like one of the uh, insane clown posse fans. <laughs> like she didn't, I don't know who taught her how to do lipstick, dude. A juggalo. Oh, it yeah. was nose, everything from the nose under. <laughs> like wearing a surgical mask. Oh, it was, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> like, wow. what is going on? Yeah, it's weird when you're a kid, you don't know adults are nuts. Like you don't know that's a crazy adult. Right. You're just like, well, they know what they're doing. They're yeah. adults. And then you get older and you look back and you're like, no, no, that bitch was crazy. <laughs> And they let her drive the bus. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it is so crazy. Yeah, yeah. when you, it, that just goes to show like how, like how, not gullible, but like influenceable or whatever that kids are because, yeah, you think adults know everything. I mean, you think, or 90% of the time that they, whatever they say goes, first of all, because they're an adult and that they know everything, yeah. that they're yeah. all kind of smart. It's a scary moment when you realize, like, they're driving the bus and they don't know how to drive. Yeah. Like, we're, we're all just helpless and crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like, imagine... That's maturity if, right there. Yeah, that's maturity, huh? Yeah, we all know. There's Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. My wife's a psychiatrist. Oh, is she? And uh, back and, to my wife. We'll did, talk about my wife and No, Simon it's interesting, man. Is that something that attracted <laughs> you to her, that she was a psychiatrist? Uh you know, one of the things that attracted me to her was that she was fucking smart. 
And being a psychiatrist was part of that, I mm -hmm. guess, you know, like, wow. Being a doctor is what really attracted me to her. Like, mm. cause you know, like people call me doctor sometimes cause I have a PhD in psychology and I, it, it always embarrasses me because like she saves lives, right. she's delivered babies. She's, oh, wow. people have died in her arms. She's like, she's badass. Like you wouldn't know it, but she spent seven years in the African bush going from village to village with a pickup truck. Wow. Treating everything. Oh, like wow. Surgery, amputations, delivering, but whatever, whatever's there, she's, she dealt with it. With like next to no supplies, right? Yeah. No x-rays, no CAT scans. So she's like this old style, like she'll smell your breath and look at your tongue and stick her finger in your ass. Well, you have to pay extra for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, she's done. I mean, dude, that's pretty fascinating. Oh, I can imagine hardcore. the level of humanity that she probably has experienced, you know? Yeah. So that impresses me. Psychiatry. Uh, mm, Actually, she's a renegade. She's like done with psychiatry. She doesn't want to do it anymore. Oh, really? As far as giving people pills, you know, she's like, no, that doesn't solve the problem. Right. You know, Prozac isn't going to solve what's going on here, you know? So she's into the, she's actually really interested in psychedelics as um, like you were talking earlier about yeah. treatment for addiction and stuff. She's very interested in Ibogaine and ayahuasca and, and different uh, modalities that use plant medicines to help people with that. Does she have any thoughts or have you guys ever had the conversation about um, like people that are in 12 step experimenting with that sort of thing? Because it's, yeah. you know, that's the, like, that's one thing that I think about sometimes, you know, like would I ever, you know, because I do remember like neat stuff from some of those experiences, like, you know, like idea, like browsers that have been open in my head for like a decade, like suddenly, you know, like, oh, what is this thing's just been going in the corner of your brain for so long. You had no idea mm. and you keep thinking about this every, you know, right. at 11 a.m. every day. This thing keeps pinging you right. or things would shut down or do you have any yeah. thoughts on that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, I mean, she knows more about it than I do, but she she's done a lot of um, therapy using uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah. which deals with some of that stuff, like the the mental loops that we get into, you know, the voices that you know keep telling you the same thing over and over every day for your whole life and like wears you down and you don't realize that you're doing it right you don't realize that there's a voice telling you you're, you're dumb or you're you know you're not yeah. as good as your brother or you know whatever the bullshit is that you internalize because and it gets back to what we were just talking about like how little kids think adults know everything like we don't question and so those first you know whatever 10 years of our lives shit gets in and we don't even have the ability to to notice that it's getting in, yeah. right? And then it's in, and then and then it just spins around your whole life unless you're lucky enough to have time and opportunity to turn the attention in and be like, oh Jesus, I didn't even know that was in there, you know? Right. And yeah, it's 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 really interesting stuff. Do you have thoughts on like if somebody's in twelve step like this because that like breaks the rules of tw of like of like say you know I'm in the AA program and right. And we're not supposed to talk about that, but I don't really care. Like, I don't know if I'll always be in it. I'm not saying it's for you if you're considering it. I'm just saying that I'm in it right now. Um, but uh, but I just wonder, like... Well, you know, the guy who founded AA was really into LSD. Yeah, I've heard that before, Bill. Yeah. One of the Bill, Bill Wilson. Yeah, Bill Wilson, yeah. right, right. Um, yeah, so yeah, they said he was like on a quest to find anything, you know, to experiment any way he could of yeah. of solving this right. this thing. Yeah, I, I, 
I just had a guy on my podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago, Adi Jaffe, who's mm -hmm. here in LA. He's an interesting character. He uh, teaches at UCLA now, and he's an addiction specialist. He runs a treatment clinic. Oh, wow. And um, cool guy. But what's really interesting about him is that uh, he was an addict and a dealer, and he got busted and did prison. Mm. time and then when he came out he like turned his life around went to ucla got his phd and now he's you know quite well-known addiction specialist and see that's amazing like sometimes we like another thing that's going on these days even just in a in the society in society i find is holding people accountable for stuff when they were like children like you see a lot of mm. the political realms now right you right. know like oh you Brett kavanaugh thing like, yeah like to me that's you know <clears throat> that's crazy it's crazy. I mean, I understand if somebody's a rapist, a murderer, something's, but act, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, when do we, what's, you know? Yeah. What's, how, when do we forgive? When, I mean, and be understanding. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, you never, yeah. you know, you never gotten weird, you know, at a party when you were a kid and drunk. Like, I pushed a girl down, you know, one time when I was drunk. I don't even remember it. Mm. You know, and I remember my, my buddy tried to choke me out afterwards later. And I was trying to eat a piece of steak. He comes down, he's trying to choke. I don't know if you've ever tried to eat steak and get choked out at the same time, bro. <laughs> no, never it, happened. Your body does not know what to do. Because <laughs> like it is a real juxtaposition for your So esophagus. he's choking you and you're still chewing? I'm, still like, I'm yes. going to get this yes. thing down. Oh, well, dude, I'm already eating. Like, I ain't wasting the steak. Dude, I'm 90 chews in to some tri-tip. <laughs> bro, you, there's no stopping. Yeah. Like at a certain level of chews, your body is bringing this thing down. Yeah. yeah. But I remember, I don't remember, I don't remember even, I just remember that girl was a friend of mine. Oh, shit. And then I re and then I remember him coming in and saying that man you you uh, pushed this girl onto the ground you know or you mm. were like aggressive towards this girl mm. and then I just remember apologizing I never even remember and I just remember after that we were friends and I yeah. bought her flowers and I apologized for years and but I have no recollection of it right mm. but say if now you say you know I couldn't hire somebody to come work with me or I couldn't get a job as a teacher or something if I wanted because to because of that, of that yeah. It just seems like it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. You know, I could understand maybe. Well, we try. I mean, kids, 14-year-old, 13-year-old kids, they uh, try them as adults. Oh, that's a good point. You know, like, what the fuck is that? Like, what is a kid? How can a kid be tried as an adult at 13 and go to prison for the rest of his life, but he can't vote? He can't even buy a beer. Yeah. Like, what is an adult here? You know, it's... I, it's it's so hard. It, and even like age of consent, it varies by state. Right. You know, it's all... Oh, if you got gas money, you can fuck, you know. You can drive somebody, you know, 200 miles and fuck them. Yeah, or marry them. In Louisiana, <laughs> yeah. it's like 13 or something. Oh, right? dude, definitely. You got to be tall, though. You can't be a short 13. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude, so it's like Disneyland. Oh, yeah. If you're not taller you than this You got to be this tall line. to ride this ring. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. But, right, no, it's, right. but also how we, we sexualize kids, we sexualize young people, yeah. you know, and they sensationalize them and they make them look, you know, a lot of times sexual. And so then if you have half of a, you know, if you have a culture of men who are, you know, out there perverting and stuff, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's confusing. I, I was thinking about Louis C.K. Have you seen the movie he made that, that got pulled? Mm -mm. Daddy, I love you, daddy, or something like that. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah. Is it good? No. Really? It's horrible. It's so bad that I think he's better off with what happened. Because <laughs> <laughs> he got 
That whole the shit hit the fan a week before that movie was oh supposed to come out. Hold on, I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> well, the movie's so bad, you're getting better PR from the fucking. You, you're the lucky. Movies. I mean, he should have done anything to have that movie not come out, including have his career destroyed. Oh, it's damn. that bad. <laughs> do you think it's so going back and look do you think it was just an ego thing of him to make this movie or the movie's that bad it's okay it was poorly yeah, written I, what is I it? think i think he was like you know and i've never met the dude so i have absolutely no personal connection here um i really like his comedy and if you look at his comedy it's it was more and more talking about um how can i say this it's like it's like the the criminal returns to the scene of the crime. Oh yeah, like wants to get caught. That's how I feel. It's like he wanted to get caught. He integrated into his comedy. He kept pushing, kept pushing, and to the point where he's he's inviting people to like call him on his shit. Yeah. Still, they weren't calling him, so he made this movie, and it is the creepiest fucking movie, man. It is so creepy and and disturbing specifically about a man's eroticizing a child wow. and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him having some dog. I mean, anytime I would, uh, he always seemed like a prick anytime I would meet him mm. or he seemed. Uh, yeah, I heard that. Dismissive. He like yes. looks over your head. Yes. And no eye contact. Yeah, he yeah. seemed very dismissive. Yeah. Um, but. That's too bad. Yeah, it is too bad. But that is interesting how, yeah, I think part of you, you'd start to flirt with like, oh, if I, I can get away with anything I want in the world, I'm going to make yeah. a movie yeah. about, you know, even the back of your head would start to do that. that it's almost arts. like he was jerking off in front of yes. the whole world. Like, wow. hey, yeah, now what are you going to say? Dude, I remember being in school when I was young and the guy that it was like a, some type of a class or something in college. It was like 700 kids there in college. And the guy's like, statistically speaking, two of you guys will die in a car accident or whatever. Um, three of you guys are going to be convicted of child sex crimes, right? And literally, bro, I just remember standing up, oh, up. not it. I just stood <laughs> up and yelled, it. not it, bro. And it reflexed out of my legs. It wasn't even a choice I made. Really? I thought, like, maybe you could, like, you know, fucking take yourself out of the running or something. But, man, I, I that kind of stuff's scary. Dude, I remember not knowing if I was going to be someone who would do that type of behavior Yeah. until a certain point in my life when uh, like my sister had kids and my mm. brother had kids and I would be around them long enough right. and be like, oh man, I'm so, I'm, thank God I don't have that sickness, right. you know? Right. Um, but I remember like, I wouldn't run around all day thinking like, fuck, I think I'm a pedophile or I think I'm a sex offender. I would never think that. You know, I never saw a kid and had any sexual inclination, but it made me wonder, well, how does, because if somebody has to be that and I can't just look at somebody and know, then is that something that just like springs into them in a certain moment, you know? Did you have like, and we can cut this out if it's too personal, but did were you ever like the uh, the object of, of that kind of attention from older people yeah we had like a guy in our town a guy from like a guy from church who was like a substitute teacher that like tried to take advantage of me and some of my buddies one time i don't think anything ever happened like i think I, over the years i start to have some ideas maybe that something did mm. but i mean i never i don't have any physical memory of that at all right. so sometimes i also don't know even having a creative mind if it will take license and start to right. create some just a 
a whisper of a, yeah. you know, just an old man's hand passing over an image of a dick in the distance. You know what I'm saying? You don't know. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's scary sometimes. Um, but there was a lot of that in our neighborhood. There was a yeah. lot of like, you know, we had a lady down the street who would bang some of her students. She was, but these students were men. I mean, they were like some of the toughest guys I knew. But they had a lot of that in our neighborhood, in our area. It wasn't yeah. wild to see somebody dating like a, you know, or hanging out with somebody that they shouldn't have been, that kind of shit, you know? Well, it's, it's interesting. Like, there's been research showing that the trauma that kids experience around those sorts of things, unless it's physically, like, painful, right? Unless it's, like, um, you know, something that actually physically hurts. If it's, like, right. you know, some old guy jerking you off when you're 12, like, okay, that's not a, you know, it's not like having something stuffed up your butt or something. Right, right, right. right. So if it's not physically traumatic, the trauma occurs when the adults freak out. Mm. So the kid comes home and says, you know, the five-year-old comes home and says, yeah, Uncle Charlie touched, my touched me here. Yeah. And the people are like, hey, yeah, stay away from Uncle Charlie. He's a little weird, you know, then it's cool. If they're like, oh my God, call the police. Then the kid is traumatized. By that. Right. Oh, know, wow. By the parents freaking out. Right. And the police and then Uncle Charlie's crying and screaming and goes to prison and kid feels like it's his or her fault. And, you know, like all, oh, wow. all that shit is what causes the actual psychological damage. It's not Uncle Charlie touching your nuts. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. It's interesting. I think what that's one cool thing is that over time we'll start to get to see how that we are. Do you feel like we're learning more or do you feel like we're confusing ourselves? Do you have any inclination on that? Like when it comes to like mental health and even stuff like that. Sexuality. Like, or even I guess yeah. like, because that's kind of fascinating to me, man, to think, okay, a lot of the trauma occurs in how people are reacting to this and how to manage your reaction to something like that. Well, I mean, so much of what we're seeing now, and I have to be careful how I say this because I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood here, but I think a lot of what is happening now in the Me Too thing is actually counterproductive because we're attaching so much like hysterical reaction to every little yeah. transgression. Mm, that's a good point. Uh, which, you know, obviously bounces back on the men like Al Franken. Like, what the fuck did he do? Like yeah. he put his arm around a woman who asked for a photo yeah, he took a on goofy her, picture on a tour. Yeah. Well, the goofy picture, fine. You know, that's dumb. But and and. But he's not a. But he's it's, predator. Yeah, I mean, come on. And then the the thing, the straw, straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, is this woman asks him for a, a photo. He puts his hand around, like on her waist, and she says he like squeezed at least twice. God damn. On her waist. Yeah. Well, hit the gym, lady. You know what <laughs> she said he like had a handful of flesh. I'm like, what? Like that's not even sexy. And then, and then it's like, oh, wait, what did he do? Novel? Yeah, yeah, this sounds yeah. But yeah, that thought that seems so, crazy now. So it bounces back on him, ruins his career, right? But then it also like the the trauma that she's experiencing oh. is framed by the society. Right. So other societies like Spain, where I've lived most of my life, there's not a woman in Spain who would be offended by that. Right. Right. So and it's not like, oh, poor women are being abused in Spain. It's like, no, that's not abuse in Spain. Right. So the, the culture 
defines what's abusive and what isn't, what's criminal and what isn't, what's just a mistake versus what's, you know, a crime. Like all these things are defined by the culture. Mm-hmm. And we think that by tightening the definitions, we're making the culture safer. Whereas I would argue it's the opposite effect. Everyone's freaking out over things that aren't worth freaking out about most yeah. of the time, right? Yeah, that's what I feel. And, and, so, and I'm not saying that the woman's trauma isn't real, just no. like I'm not saying the kid's trauma wouldn't be real, but I'm saying the trauma comes in these kind of cases from the culture's definition of what happened, not yeah. from the thing itself. Right. No, the man that makes it, yeah, it makes total sense. There's a really interesting essay by this anthropologist, an uh, Australian anthropologist who's living in Papua New Guinea with this uh, primitive tribe up in the mountains. And she heard all the screaming at night and long story, but basically this guy had crawled into the window of a woman's hut and crawled into bed with her Mm -hmm. and... Uh, was like touching her and she woke up and she's like, get the fuck out of here. And he like tried to get up and he fell and he just couldn't get his pants and he fell out the window and everybody was screaming. So in the morning, she's sitting around with the women and here's what happened. And they're all laughing. These women are laughing. And the anthropologist is like, wait a minute, I don't understand why you're laughing. He tried to rape you and they don't have a word for rape in the language, right? Wow. So, so she explains, like he tried, he wanted to put his penis in you and you didn't agree. And, and the women looked at her and she, she, she said they looked at her with, like, with pity and they said, Christina, it's only a penis. How could he hurt me? It's only mm. a penis. And so she writes this essay about how like that culture doesn't see the penis as this scary weapon. They see it as this somewhat pathetic little thing that you can't really hurt anybody with. So in their cultural framing, like this isn't a big deal. Wow. It's no big deal. It's funny. You know, it is kind of (coughs) not rape itself, but like this, that, that the penis is not this scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really the least scariest thing on your body of your appendages. Well, I don't know if you woke up and there's a penis dangling in your face, that'd be pretty scary. Yeah, that's true. Okay, that way it's definitely scary. <laughs> it's definitely scary as like a mistletoe, <laughs> you know, for sure. Uh, mistletoe. But <laughs> now that look, I think it's. Yeah. But do you think that, like, but also it used to be like the news kind of reported what was going on, and now the news is trying to make what's going on. I feel, and it's mm. also not reflective of a lot of America. Like a lot of places I go in America, things are way normal. They yeah. think people out here are fucking out of their right, minds. Right. Even New York, a lot of times, like LA's lost their fucking mind. Yeah. It's a bunch of lonely mooks writing articles. You know what I'm saying? Who yeah. are disconnected, who have never even had any experiences. Right. That are just like writing articles just to create havoc. But the thing is, at this point, I don't think it's shaping society anymore. I think. It's not relating to society. What media? You're a lot about? of the media, yeah, yeah, like a lot of the scary, like the even the scare tactics stuff. Yeah. It's like people look at it, but I don't think that they believe it anymore. Yeah. Do you see that weatherman recently? Yes. And that's a great example of it. The guy like yeah. is pretending he's fighting against the winds, <laughs> and, and then the dudes walk by in their shorts. Yeah, and they're just like, bro out. <laughs> what a bunch of bullshit, man. Bro, one of them ate a like um. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it was a sun chip or something and brought it to his mouth. You can slowly see <laughs> and had no problem putting it in his mouth. Dude, if there's 40 mile per yeah. hour wind, you can't get a sun chip in your fucking yeah, mouth no. in one fell it's swoop. It's gone. It's gone. Because they're literally, you know, they're not the strongest of chip. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's so crazy. And the best when he's on the grass and he's kind of moving his legs like <laughs> yeah, he's like, surfing. Uh, yeah, quite. Hard. Yeah. But yeah. how does it end though, man? I, some, it's so crazy. It's like. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to you and I'm thinking more and then I'll listen to Rogan and I'm thinking about, you know, hunting, you know, and then it's like, Oh, we we're going to talk about the bow hunting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering how does it all end? Do you think like we're headed towards this place where we're barely human anymore and we're all just like, oh, everything's man. a microwave or do you think we're headed towards this thing where it's like, like the human, like, you know, something happens like mother nature gets pissed off enough at, at all the batteries and just, you know, brings us all down to our knees and then we become humans again. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's like, there's a, a crossroads that we're at right now, really. I feel like, and the trajectory is either if we continue the path we're on, we become cyborgs, Yeah, you know, and we're already getting there. You know, we've got our phones in our pockets our external memory, our, you know, connection to the nodes and, you know, the constant immediate communication. Like we're definitely integrated into some larger uh, intelligence. <clears throat> yeah. You know? Yeah. Broadband is the new oil. That's what I've been thinking, man. Yeah. It's like. Or the whole thing, because it's all unsustainable and it's all very, very fragile. You know, a solar flare can wipe out all the electronics on one half of the globe in an instant. Uh, you know, nuclear blast, uh, you know, volcano, an asteroid. And there are a lot of ways shit can go wrong, not to mention climate change and, you know, just all the unsustainable shit that we're doing. So if it, if that go, or a, like a disease, you know, can yeah. wipe out a whole bunch of people real fast. And, and it's not like, I'm not saying this. Park you know, wherever you want after that. Exactly, man. <laughs> Lots of room that. on the bus. Yeah, you park in the middle of the street. <laughs> yeah. 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 Good luck getting gas. <laughs> know, that's true. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, there's a book called A Short History of Progress that I often recommend to people. It's this really brief book, 150 pages or something, Ronald Wright. And it goes through um, empires and like how empires rise and fall. And he just goes like Rome and Greece and Sumeria and all these different empires. And he shows it's always the same thing. They do. It's like a life cycle. You know, you can just see it like, OK, this is the adolescence, this is adulthood. Now this is late adulthood. Wow. And if you look at that, like... He says each, every time, how does he say this? Uh, every time history repeats itself, the price is higher, something like that. Mm. Um, and he makes the point that all these other uh, um, empire collapses have been regional. And this is the first time that it's going to be global. Wow. Right. And they all collapse. Yeah. And so when this one does, it's going to be global. There won't be anywhere to go. There won't be any escape. There won't like people buying shit and land in New, Ze New Zealand. They think they're going to these Silicon Valley dudes think they're going to get away. They're not going to get away. There no. is no getting away. It's going to be planetary. Oh, I'm driving up to San Fran with a gun right out of the gate. That's for damn sure. Why San Fran? Oh, I don't know. I'm just joking. But it's like, um, yeah, I don't I, I wonder what it would really be like, you know, like what? And would it bring back like part of who we are as humans immediately? We might go to some of the things we were talking about in the beginning, like where it's like, 
like your instincts and all start to take over and we're not, I'm not worried about yeah. getting my, to my therapist at 2 PM, you know, <laughs> suddenly I've sharpened the, whatever the yeah. strongest thing is in yeah. my apartment. Right. Whatever was bothering you before is like nothing now. You find out who yeah. you are. Yeah. Like sometimes I, yeah. I just want to know who I am. Like, I, yeah. Like when the, when the shit hits the fan, you know? Yeah. Well, see, that gets back like, do to, you get pink to my wife. See, a, that's yeah. why I hang with her. Because post-apocalypse, she's my get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> <laughs> She'll amputate your leg. She'll fix you. Whatever's wrong with you, do she'll you think fix part it. Of you d- she'll d- eat the, like, the, the... She'll kill the dog that I'm afraid to kill and cook it up. <laughs> and, like, it up. and it'll taste great. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's so funny. <laughs> do you think that part of you chose her because of that? Because I know we talked whenever... And I'm glad you referenced some of the things we talked about before, man, because my memory escapes me, but it made me think of some of we it. We talked about jerking off a lot. Yeah, well, that was been a big, a big part of this of my entire podcast is basically <laughs> really? dudes who can't stop jerking off getting together once a week. That's what it is. The circle jerk. It's, yeah. a re- it's actually it's a respite for some of, our, of my listeners. It's the only time they probably are jerking off. Yeah, you should have like porn playing right here instead of Chris Farley. <laughs> I've had some really good porn stars on my podcast. If yeah. you want some intros, yeah, Angela White, she's fantastic. The only one I Nina know is Dan, Dana Darman. Dana Darman. Darmond. Um, Asa Akira. She's and Asa, yeah, of, she's great. She's cool. Yeah, she's really entertaining. Yeah, she's hilarious. She's I like very... her a lot. She has a podcast she does with her boyfriend, like one episode with her boyfriend, where they really, like, they really talk about like what it's like to. To be them, you know, and wow. like, what's it like to have a girlfriend who's like fucking all these dudes on screen? And that would be scary, I think. Just well, be- see, it's interesting because he knew her before she was in porn. Oh wow! They they got together, they hung, they were together for like a year or two, and then they broke up because because of him, because mm-hmm. he wanted to play the field. They were mm-hmm. young, right? And then she went into porn. He lost track of her, and then. I forget how they met each other again. Well, I'm sure she was easy to find at a certain point. (laughs) She's like, oh, I know her. Yeah, everybody else found her, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and then they got back together. So it was, you know, this interesting configuration. And then she stopped doing porn uh, when she's with him. So now she doesn't do porn anymore. Oh, wow, good for her. Yeah. She's a smart lady, and shes uh, I think she has a good business mind. I know she wanted to direct. At one point, she talked about directing porn. Um but yeah, I've always thought that she was a really neat lady. Yeah. Very charming, very funny. You think you could do that? Could you be involved with a sex worker? You know what's so funny is we have a sex worker on our on our on uh, on my podcast this past week and this week. Mm. We have a sex worker who we already interviewed and it's coming on. And it was really interesting to talk with her. Uh just about what it's like about it was a lot about that fossa or the fetsa or whatever the Sesta. Oh, the, the law, yeah, trying to yeah, shutting it down on yeah, Craigslist because it would yeah. make third party make the, uh, the host site responsible for transactions that occurred. Yeah, um, and I was against that. You know, I felt like uh, there's a lot of women. I don't feel like sex trafficking is as big as it gets advertised. I feel like it's one of those just another thing that was hopped across in the past couple years to make like a big point. Yeah, I think in some countries, yes, but like I don't see train loads of fucking you know, women being, you know, trucked across. When I have friends that go to brothels, they're never like going to them here. They're driving to Mexico. Mm. Um, And of course, I don't know that much about that much about it. But from what my instincts tell me, you know, uh, the friends that I have that are sex workers and stuff like that. And they say that it's that it's not like that. It's just a lot of, you know, women trying to get through stuff, you know, trying to make a buck. Now, some of them have pimps. I think that take advantage of them. 
but I don't think it's at the sex worker level a lot of times. But anyway, I don't know if I answer your question. Sorry, sometimes I just don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) But you know what I worry about? You know what I worry about is, you know, I think I struggle the most in thinking about, you know, having read, you know, having remember reading Sex at Dawn. And I appreciate you just brought me this book. What is this gift you get? Tangentially reading. Tangentially reading. Yeah, um, that's Rogan and uh, Wim Hof and there are lots of people in there. It's Yeah, the, what I like about that book is that the whole thing is put together by readers or listeners. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought of this idea because a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, my dad doesn't listen to podcasts. I wish he could hear your podcast. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to have a book. And I mentioned it once and then people wrote in. They're like, hey, I'd love to transcribe stuff. I'd love to help out if you wow. want to do that. And then this small publisher, Misfit Press, um, they listen to the podcast and they're like, hey, we'll, we'll publish it if you want. We'll set up a deal and figure it. And I was just like, all right, well, you guys want to do this. You go ahead and do it. So, so the publisher organized it, this guy, Matt Owen, who's an editor there. And um, all the transcriptions are done by volunteers. The layout's done by volunteers. The, all the art is by this, ga- this guy, Adam McDade, who lives in the UK. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And so this is all listeners' thoughts? No, it's... Pieces it, of episodes. It, it's episodes that listeners chose the episodes. They chose which parts of the episodes. Oh, that's awesome. They transcribed them. They did the art. They did the layout. So I just basically, I wrote the introduction. I'm like, hey, if you guys want to do this, I'll, you know. That's cool. It's a beautiful book, too. Mom will sell it from the garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I am I know I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot, I struggle a lot with what is my, like, like if I'm afraid to be in a relationship. Yeah. Or if, um, here we can say, is she good? Your wife okay? I'm good. I'm good. good? Yeah, no, okay, I was cool. just checking you. No, no, I appreciate it. What's yeah. Your, what's your I just time? didn't want to. Um, yeah, I struggle a lot with like, yeah, if it like, yeah, the tradition of marriage and that sort of thing and being in that kind of committed environment and what that can do for like my psyche and maybe my well-being and my right. feeling of comfort. Right. And then, you know, battling against some of what are, are a lot of times I feel like my own, which I still classify as my own demons of wanting to, you know, act out sexually. And I know that that's, <clears throat> you know, just how I'm terminalizing it, you know, or terminologizing it, but. You know, I struggle a lot with that, man. I think about that stuff every single day. You know, like I feel like, am I in a, who am I when it comes to that kind of stuff? Mm. You know, I was reading that book by Gardner, I think the guy's name is. It's about um, Out of the Shadows. Mm, It's just about like sex, like emotional and sexual addiction, love addicts and stuff like that. Like how, like behaviors, but, but yeah. yeah. Like you were talking about 12 Step earlier and I mentioned Adi Jaffe. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things that he said that the I found... The UCLA guy. Yeah. Was in prison, yeah. Yeah, I found really interesting because he doesn't really buy the the um, aspect of 12 steps where like you have to stop everything completely 100% and if you slip up, like you're back to zero. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't buy that. He's like, I forget what the, um, what metaphor he used, but it's, you know, it's basically like, look... You know, uh, like you're going to the gym, you want to work out and you say, I'm going to go to the gym four times a week. And then one week you only go three times. Well, that's not like you're a loser. Yeah. Like you, you failed and oh my God, you're out now. He's like there, you know, he's more like, hey, marginal success is still success. Right. You know, and so he thinks it's dangerous to have that kind of like, if you slip up, you're done kind of mm. uh, mentality, which my understanding is a lot of those 
12-step programs have. And I understand why they have them. They want people to take it really seriously and like, you know, make a really clear declaration. But the problem with that is then when and if you slip up, then it you get back into that cycle again of like, I'm a loser. I can't do anything. Yeah. That's why I use drugs in the first place, because I hate myself and I've got all these negative voices. And this is the only thing that shuts them down for a little while. And and so rather than feeding into that, you know, maybe it's better to just accept marginal success and take it from there. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think some people can. I think for some people it's like, you know, like I have some friends where it's like they go to meetings every single day. Mm. They ha they absolutely have to or they will they have to stay strictly in this in the structure. Right. I mean strictly. Right. Like I am, you know, I have both feet in the structure, but it's like, you know, I can go to three meetings a week and um you know, and I can struggle with my step work and stuff like that. I don't think about using drugs and alcohol every day, you know, right. more of my problems are emotional. I feel like, uh, uh but, but yeah. So for somebody like it might be more in my world. It might be like, yeah, is there is, is there a median program or is there a way to not, you know, you know, put so much pressure on yourself if you do mess up. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, uh, in the end of the day for me, a lot of times I'm like, well, you know, I, I, whatever it is, it's keeping me, everything else is going, everything's going okay. Right. So I'll, I'll just stay within this tumbleweed of okay, you know, <laughs> even if I think about it, but, and maybe okay. find a way of yeah. not try to hold myself so accountable. Say if I did choose one day to do psychedelics or something, you know, yeah. or to experiment with something, um, you know, to have a plan and, you know, that, okay, I'm going to go back into my program and that this was my plan. And well, psychedelics, I, you know, are not drugs of abuse. Yeah. Nobody ever got addicted to psychedelics. Right. You know? Yeah, I would just worry if I used them, then it would be like that. Oh, well, I smoked weed, so now that I'm off of my years or whatever, I might as well, you know, grab an eight ball and, you know, yeah, a couple yeah. of random buttholes from around the universe, you know, yeah, and be yeah. a wildcat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, weed is a different thing, but as far as like uh, ayahuasca or or even mushrooms or LSD or... Oh, yeah. I want to be out there, man. I want to be one yeah. of those fucking space daddies, dude. I see people like making Joe Rogan with the astronaut helmet on, <laughs> you know, and he's fucking, you know, but, drinking I mean, super syrup the through thing his about nose those and shit on the internet. Is that they, I think they make it less likely that someone would use drugs of addiction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they clear your head in a way that you look back and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I, when I, when I was, tripping more frequently like even alcohol like yeah why why like there's it's not interesting right you know it's poison i'm putting poison in my body like i was really clear i didn't want to eat meat i was like the healthiest i've ever been probably is when i was taking a lot of lsd mm. you know physically yeah. because it's just like everything was true like i was I wasn't bullshitting myself. Ah. Now I'm like, fuck it. I'll have another beer, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's just a hamburger. I mean, when I was tripping a lot, like that didn't look like a hamburger. That looked like a ground up dead cow. Dead cow. Yeah. It looked like exact. Yes. It looked like what it was, what it, was. What it is. Yeah, it and now the advertising I'm like, yeah, off it's of just things. a burger. Yeah, exactly. The advertising, the cultural framing, you know? And so to me, that was the value of it. Wow. It's like, I see shit as it is. I see it 
much closer to its actual essence right. than because all the packaging is removed. Yeah, like, know? oh, these tomatoes, I know these are good for me. Look at them, you can tell. Yeah. They almost, they look like they want to be good for me. Exactly. And you'd feel yeah. that when you're yeah. on a drug. Yeah, like this is meant to be eaten. That is not meant yeah. to be eaten. Like a bag of chips, like, wow. Like Domino's, a shady dude <laughs> drives up in a <laughs> shitty car and fucking drops you off a fucking box of hot whatever. And you're like, fuck <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Bro, somebody should fucking take that dude out you know Might as well be eating the box all right listen i know you got a roll i want to uh, do this again man i want to come yeah, out to your hood or just you chat should. about it more we'll come out we'll shoot do you, you do you shoot bows Maybe no i never have are you right-hander or left-hander listen how long he has to think about that i think i'm right-handed dude <laughs> i haven't checked in with my fucking hands in a while hand but i've been waving with my left with? more oh i'll go right oh, yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. i'll go right although man. left is good for a change is it you ever do that you never jerked off with your your left hand. My buddy used to put um like sit on or something. No, like he would numb? tape it off completely and like shut off the so he couldn't even feel it anymore and then jerk off. Well, you can do that if you just sit on it too. Yeah, he, he's a this guy was a fucking Voldemort of basic <laughs> tricks. He went deep, like he would shut off the circulation on it for like two days. Like it would be like two a days. white hand. And then he would fucking. Surprised he has any hand at all. Well, he was. He couldn't even turn his fingers at that point. It was just like him fucking his own white hand. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That guy. So I, he ju- was I a, just interviewed the dude who got his arm caught between the. No, rock. you didn't. Yeah, just this week it it went up on my podcast. Aaron no. Ralston. Well, yeah. I want to listen to that. Yeah. Was it amazing? Yeah, it was cool. I, I met him. It, it was all like just like a friend of a friend it was like, hey, I know this guy. If you want, and I'll you know reach out to him and. Yeah. Did you feel like he was a, just real quick, did you feel like he was a, this is, did you feel like he was a celebrity? What did you feel about him? That's interesting to me. Well, like we talked about that because, you know, I said to him, like, you're in this really interesting position where a lot of people see you as a hero, but what you, what you did was really traumatic, like super traumatic, right? So it's kind of this weird, it's almost like a soldier who like comes home from war and like killed a bunch of people and yeah. people are going, good job, buddy. You know, you're my hero. And like, it's hard, you know? Yeah, like, no, it's such a crazy, yeah, a I weird can't imagine. disjunction. How do you sort that out if you're able to? What did he do? Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about it a episode. lot. I mean, his experience was wild. I mean, he, he said, uh, did you see the film with James Franco? Yeah. 127 hours. Yeah, I actually yeah. played, I, I did a movie with a guy from ShamWow. Um, <laughs> Vince Offer, uh, Vince, uh, yeah, Vince Offer is the guy. Um, uh-huh. and he's actually the sweetest. You remember to do this whole the Shamwells? Really? And he had the thing. He's like, you're gonna love to. Um, but I was in a movie and I played the guy in the beginning of his only movie. I played the guy who got his arm stuck in the rocks. You played. Yeah. Aaron Ralston? Yeah, only for literally nine seconds, right? <laughs> and they think I'm stuck in like some real rocks and then the camera pans out and it's just like along a pathway of like a like a tourist thing. Oh, <laughs> but it's still like, so it was like a stupid movie right, like that. Right. Um, but anyhow, I interrupted So you, you made fun of his drama is what oh, you're saying. Damn, man, yeah. You made fun of the most... Oh, awesome fucking Hollywood this guy's and I life. did it for 400 bucks <laughs> <laughs> and I got fucking <laughs> screw I got fuck whatever man was he fascinating what did he what did he say what did he yeah he was he was a really cool guy man he 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 talked about it as like this great blessing 
you know, because it gets back to what you said earlier. Like, you know, who am I? If, if the shit really hits the fan, right. who am I? What would I be? How would I react? You know? Right. And like, he had that opportunity, you know? So it is like war in that respect. Right. But he was like, oh, I'm, this is, you know, this, this is it. This wow. is it. And he's alone. He's at the bottom of this slot canyon. There's this one crow that flew over every morning. They showed that in the movie. And, yes. uh, but there's something, if you listen to the episode, you'll learn something about that crow that wasn't in the movie. Really? Yeah. Really heavy too. He tells the crow shot well, on him oh, no, just, every, oh. every day. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm no, kidding. I've been watching planet earth all night. I just watched two episodes of the hunt last night. So no. I know what these birds are up to. Crows but, are uh, smart too. Oh. Really smart. Well, dude, they starred in what? All the 1400s, whatever you've seen, any of that Edgar Allan Poe's work. Yeah. I mean, they were in all of his shit, yeah. you know? They're fucking deviant. He starred. <laughs> Starring the crow. <laughs> and then who Hitchcock, they fucking got some work with him for a while. <laughs> yeah. But no, that you know good, it's so good funny, representation. That's <laughs> what it is. Lots of auditions. To not to yeah, to like who am I? Yeah. Because yeah. if that happened to me, who would I be? I might just be a sadly to admit, I might be a guy who would just, you know, write some fucking I love you mom in the sand and fucking Well, he had a video camera. Right. And he like talked to his mom and, and his dad and his friends and like he, yeah, it was pretty intense. And then the, the thing is like a lot of people think he just cut his arm off, but he tried. He showed me the, in his, the stump, he showed me this, the scar where he jammed his knife in Ooh. and it hit the bone and he was like, oh no, I'm never going to be able to do that. Right. It's like this knife will never cut through that bone. And then he spent another five days there, five nights before he realized that he had to like pull, like leverage his body weight to snap the bone. Yeah. My and then God. after that, cut through the muscle and the tendons and shit where it snapped. Wow. So that's some intense shit. But he said, uh, and this was depicted in the movie too, when he finally like, he was really clever. Like he put a tourniquet, he had all these levers and set up all these ropes and, you know, he's a real handy dude and he's like serious mountain climber. Mm. Um, and so he, uh, when he finally got out after five nights there and no water for a long time, delirious oh. and all the shit, before he left, he turned and said, thank you. Wow. Because the experience was beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And that's, so that's the way he talked about it is. That's fat. That's crazy. You know, yeah, and that, again, we're talking, how do we frame things, right? Like you, it could be the worst moment of your life. It could be the best moment of your life. It's up to you, you know, like you can frame it. And the problem with kids is they're, the framing comes from the adults. Mm. But as an adult, we can choose. It's the only thing we can choose, right? We can't choose what happens to us. Right. But we can choose how we frame it. And so yeah. it's pretty, it was cool. It was an interesting conversation. Yeah. You know, it's funny, even this today, like we were going to meet at one and I had to, you know, I had to do something this afternoon. So, you know, we, we decided to meet at 11 and I was like at first and you were like, you know, if it's, if it's too hectic, you know, you don't, don't sweat it, you know? And I was, and I was, but then in my head, I was like, man, I, I did a framing thing. And I was just like, man, I don't have to go meet up with Chris. I get to go meet up with Chris. And suddenly, mm -hmm. even just like that with those words, you know, yeah. um, it's just, I, I don't always use tricks that help me, but that was one that I used. And I was like, oh man, it just, it's like, oh, I get to go meet up with them. And then it's like, suddenly it's like a gift, you know, right. as opposed yeah. to like thinking of like, oh, a schedule for the day, yeah, you yeah. know? It's true. Yeah. But dude, the fact that he turned and said, thank you. That's, f yeah. that's like everything. 
And then he rappelled down like a 40-foot cliff with one arm. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when did, it's like it never ends. It's like then immediately there was another fucking adventure. Yeah. There was a, there was a next beat. Yeah, and that's life, man. Listen, I know you got shit to go do in No, Hollywood I appreciate your time, man. Is. I don't want to take every time. Thanks. Dude, it's thank great. you, man. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. And I mean it. Like when I say like, hey, if it's stressful, don't, because I hate I know you do. stress, you know, like I, I hate stress. No, I can imagine that about you, dude. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, I, I and love the worst that. thing is when I, I see like I'm causing it for other people. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Know? No, I don't think uh, I pr I'm happy to know you, man. And yeah, um, and too. yeah, and I appreciate you having me on. And all right, so next time you come out to Topanga, we can go for a hike and shoot some bows. You got to we'll shoot some bows and talk more about adult masturbation. And there you uh, go. there's a lot of people out there struggling with it. Yeah, the yeah. pornography is a real thing that we need to talk about next yeah. time. Yeah, all right, I'm down for that. Go do what you got to do. Thank you. All right, thank you, everybody. Thank you, especially to those of you who support the podcast on Patreon, keeping it commercial free, free of bullshit. Uh, I really feel privileged to be able to make a modest income on this podcast and not have to sell out to advertisers or whatever, whoever has the money, the big deep pockets. So everything is really helpful. A buck a month, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, whatever you got, whatever you can afford, whatever you're feeling. If you're still listening at the end of this episode, hopefully that means this is a somewhat important part of your week. Uh, and also I'm starting to put out more, um, volume because I'm just digging it and more episodes are coming down the pipeline. So I'm increasing my workload and, uh, I hope you appreciate that. And if you can afford it, maybe, uh, throw in a few bucks through Patreon. You can also support the podcast, uh, through uh, PayPal or just, if you don't have cash, that's fine. Tell your friends about it. Uh, leave uh, reviews on iTunes, whatever on your your app, if there's a place to leave reviews there. And uh, you can send those um, audio files. I always forget to mention this. I, I always encourage you to send them. They're fantastic, but I forget to tell you where to send them. ChristopherAssistant at gmail.com. ChristopherAssistant at gmail.com. And maybe in the subject line, just put, um, you know, intro clip or hi from Finland or wherever you are. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate y'all. As always, I'm going to play you out with Smoke Alarm by the great Carsey Blanton. Here's to you, Bennett and Justin. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. Soft touch 
won't you let it out to play? Your heart is in a birdcage, singing in your chest. You wanna shut it up, but give it a rest. You're gonna die one day. Why do we waste our time thinking about a reputation, running from a confrontation, wondering what we ought to say? Go down. We'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground.